There's no place that we can go that you're not there. There's, there's nothing that we've done that you won't forgive and cleanse us and, and welcome us back. And, and so we thank you, Lord, this morning for your great love for us, that we can be your beloved children. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to see all of you this morning. My name is Nancy, and uh, um, yeah, a lot of people um, have been asking where I've been, and uh, and so I, I was telling them that I, I've been actually on sabbatical for three months, <laughs> and people are like, wow, I haven't seen you, I was wondering, and um, but it's just been a lovely time for me, uh, and thanks to our elders, I've been at Lighthouse for, for 12 years, and um, as one of the pastors here, and I uh, was able to have uh, this, this time away. I spent time traveling and um, a little bit and spending a lot of time with my family, uh, going to Hawaii, where I'm from, and also in uh, California, Northern Cal, and, and even Southern Cal. And, um, and one of the highlights of my time away was uh, to be able to spend time visiting churches and, and friends and mentors and having some... Uh, some uh, prayer retreats, uh, but the biggest highlight was uh, having reunions with people that I had discipled throughout the years. I, they had been in my discipleship groups um, for some of them over 20 years, and, and I've kept in touch with many of them, and there's one uh, group we, um, we did this uh, particular discipleship uh, series through the Navigators, and, and it was an intense series. We had to memorize verses uh, every week, we had to share our testimonies. Um, we had to do all these things, and so it was a special uh, group. And then every year, I would take them to Yosemite uh, camping. How many of you guys been to Yosemite camping? Yeah, it's a great, great time. And so every year, I, you know, I had another group, and I would take them, and then I would also invite the first group, so people got to know each other over the years, and, and it was fun. And we were able to have this reunion. And I looked around at the people who were there. And there was maybe about 20 of us there, spouses and, and children. And, and I remember that about half of them were not believers when I first met them. And um, walk, been able to walk with them uh, through life and, and, and through their faith journey. Um, but I was also reminded that through the years, many of them had um, gone through ups and downs in life. And, and not had, things have not all been easy. One person struggled with joblessness for, for quite a long time. Another person... Uh, went through a severe depression. Um, another person was actually going through a separation and divorce. And one couple um, was continuing to walk uh, through the challenges of having an, an autistic child. And one person had been diagnosed with cancer and was in cancer treatments. And yet all of them had one thing in common, and that they all knew that they were loved by God. Despite all the things that had happened in their lives, in fact, those that had gone through the hardest trials were those that said most definitely that they knew God's love for them. And in fact, if it wasn't for God's love for them, they wondered how they could have made it through um, those difficulties. And as I begin to reflect on this message series that we're in, Loving as Jesus Loves, even though I wasn't here, I was kind of tracking with you guys, listening to the messages online, and I was really was impressed upon me in my time away how important and how vital it was for us to know that we're loved by God. 
something so simple and yet so life-changing and so, so much the foundation um, of, of who we are and, and how much joy we have and, and how much meaning there is in life and how, how much we can love others because we ourselves have experienced the love of God. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, a message called Life as the Beloved. What does it look like to be loved by God, and how do we experience more of his love in our lives? This one book that I read a number of years ago and just kind of reread recently is by Henry Nouwen called Life of the Beloved, and it's one of my favorite authors, and, and he says this in the book. He says, there is that voice, the voice that speaks from above and from within and that whispers softly or declares loudly, you are my beloved, on you my favor rests. I don't know where you are this morning. Uh, maybe you're here and you are feeling the love. <laughs> maybe this morning when you got your Starbucks coffee and the barista handed it to you, you were feeling the love. Some of us have, have been going through some hard things. Maybe um, we've... Um, felt rejection from those that were close to us. Maybe we felt abandoned or neglected by God. Maybe we feel distant or far from God because of the trials in our lives or because prayers we felt were not answered the way we hoped or expected. But this morning, I want us to think about what it means to be loved by God and how, and how God shows us his love for us. So I want to look at this passage in Luke chapter 22 as we celebrate Communion Day. And, and Luke 22 is a familiar passage to some of you, and it um, talks about a time that Jesus, um, after he had been with his followers, his closest disciples for three years, he knew that the end was near. The time had come for him to be crucified and to, to die on behalf of the world. And it says here, there's an outline in your, your program there, and you can follow along. But it says here in verse uh, 14 in Luke 22, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. What does this passage tell us about what it looks like to be beloved of God? Imagine that you are one of Jesus' disciples and you were there with him on that night. I think the first thing I see there is that we experience being dearly loved by God when we are chosen by him, when we're chosen by him. You see, this was a, a time in Jesus' ministry there's a time when he was really popular and he was healing people and people were coming to him and people thought he was going to save the day. And then there was a time that they realized, oh, he's not going to come in power. He's going to, you know, come in powerlessness. People are looking to, to arrest him and even to kill him and people were running away from him. 
And so it says here, a few earlier verses, we find out that this is a time of Passover, a time when everybody comes together and remembers God's goodness in saving the people of Israel uh, when they were enslaved in Egypt. And they would come together and share this meal together, kind of maybe our Christmas uh, dinner or Easter, Easter lunch, and they, and they gather with those uh, closest to them. But in this occasion, most scholars think that, that, that people, Jesus didn't want people to know where they were going to celebrate this Passover meal because they were in danger. People were looking for him, to arrest him, to crucify him. So, so he had made arrangements with this person for this secret location to have this dinner together. And only his disciples, only they knew where it was. And so they all gathered, they were huddled together. And Jesus said, I have eagerly desired, I have longing, longed to have this time with you, this dinner with you. And he said, before I suffer. You see, Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. Jesus knew that this was going to be his last time in freedom with those that he loved most. He knew that this was a night before he was going to experience excruciating pain and humiliation and torture and eventual death. So he chose these 12 to spend the time with. I was thinking, who would you have chosen if you knew that this was your last night on earth? If you knew that that tomorrow you were having major surgery or, or tomorrow you were going to move out of state and had to say goodbye to, to those closest to you. Maybe before your wedding day, think about who you chose to spend that night before. I think we experience being loved by God, first of all, because he chooses us and we know that we are chosen by God. We are people that are precious to him, that have been invited into his presence in such a way that we know that we are loved and we are special to him. Jesus said this words, these words to his disciples earlier. In John chapter 15, we read this. Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He was letting them know that the time was coming or he would be laying down his life for them. It says, Jesus says, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear fruit, fruit that will last. We feel valued and loved when we know that we've been chosen by God to belong to him and his family. You know, a little while ago, I went to a, a wedding and, of a friend, and you know, I didn't know her that well, and, but I got invited to her wedding, and I was really happy to be there. And um, you know how you go to a wedding reception, and then they have name tags of where you're supposed to sit? So you know how you go, and you find where you're supposed to sit, and there was my name you know, printed on there. And, and I thought, oh, that's, you know, I always feel special to see your name because you know that you belong there, and there's a place for you. But I noticed that underneath uh, the plates, the serving plates, there was a card. And I, and I thought, oh, that's nice. And she had printed this, the, the couple had printed this thank you card to everyone. And I looked around, oh, everybody had a card, and it was really, really nice. So I read that. And then, and then I turned it around. And then I noticed that she had written a letter to me, you know, with my name on it. And I realized that she had written a letter to each person. And so I read my letter 
And it was so special because she reminded me of things that happened and things that talked about and things that we laughed about that only we would know. And she said, you know, isn't it great to laugh at things and no one else gets it, <laughs> but we know. And it's just such a special card, and, and, I, and I've kept this with me. Do, do you have that? Do you have like a little box that you keep these treasures in, right, these little boxes? But I remember that it was so special because I knew that she had written this for me and my name on it, and she had told stories about me. I believe that God wants us to know that. God has love letters for us, little notes that he keeps track of our lives, little stories that he wants to remind us about things that, that he's done for us, things that we've talked to him about, things that, that only we and him would know about. Jesus himself experienced this from his heavenly father in Luke chapter 9, verse 34. Before Jesus had done any ministry, he went and and was baptized, and, and it says, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Mark chapter 1, verse 10 says, and Je as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear those words from the God of the universe, the God who created all things, who is more powerful than anyone or anything in this world, saying, you know, I choose you, Daniel. I choose you. With you, I'm well pleased. You know, Barb, I choose you. With you, I'm well pleased. To hear our name and know that God knows us and loves us, I heard a, uh, someone share this story with me. She said that she was learning more and more how to hear God's voice for herself. And she said before, she would never hear God's voice. She goes, how does that work, you know? And as she pressed in to listen to God and to say, God, I, want, I need more of you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your words to me. She started to grow in hearing God's voice. She said one time she was in the car and she was having a particularly hard day. So she was talking to God. And you know how you talk to God in prayer, but you do most of the talking? So she was talking to God about, you know, what had happened and, and all the things that were going on, how she's feeling about everything. And there was a moment that she stopped just to listen. And she heard a voice say, do you want to call me on the banana phone? And then she started to laugh. And she said to me, I said, what's a banana phone? And she just said, you know, it's so funny. Because when my kids were little and they were playing, you know, we would play with them, we'd always go like this, hello, hello. You know, they would like to use our phones. And so they would go like this. And she goes, oh, it's the banana phone ringing. You know, and she would talk to her kids that way. And she said, I totally forgot that for she, all her kids are kind of grown and, and out of the house. And she goes, I forgot all about that. And I just started laughing when I heard God say that to me. And he was saying it. And she goes, I knew what he meant. He was sort of saying, you've had a hard day, haven't you? You need us to have a chat on the banana phone. <laughs> and she said it was just so special to her because she knew that was God's love message to her. And only she would get it. We know that we're loved by God when we're chosen by him. And we're also when we're blessed by him. 
We read here in verse 19, and Jesus, with his disciples, it says, and he took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He was telling them that this meal that they were taking, there was significance in it, that he was going to be like this bread broken for them. As he took on the weight of their sins, as he took on the weight of the evil of this world and the injustice of this world, as he took on the burden and the price of, of our broken world to reconcile us to God, he bore that pain and he said, it's on me. And I'm going to shed my blood so that you could have new life. And it was a gift that he was giving them. And, and you know, at that time, I don't think they got it. They didn't realize the significance of what was going to happen, of, of this gift that he was going to give them, to bless them, to provide a way for them to have a blessed life. Have you experienced the blessing of God? You know, I love this um, the Ministry for Free Wheelchair Mission. And, and I remember last, last year when we were doing our research and we were learning about it, there's all these videos online, and I would encourage you to go to their website and watch some of these videos. It's so encouraging. But I remember watching um, this, this uh, video about this one woman who uh, had to be carried. You know, she couldn't walk, and she had said, you know, my parents love me, but they're always carrying me here and there, and I just felt helpless. And I was depressed, and I thought, what is the purpose for my life, you know? And, and I'm just a burden on, on my family. And then she received this, this wheelchair. And she said now she was able to go around. There's pictures of her going into the market. And she goes, and I learned to sew. And so I got this sewing machine, and I would do, you know, sew clothes for people, or we repair clothes for people. And she goes, and I started earning money and income. And then I could cook for my family. And she goes, and now I, I'm an asset to my family. Right? I provide for my family. I can do something to bless my family. And, I, and, and she knew that this was a gift to her. And people around the world are hearing that there's a God who loves them because they're blessing, they're being blessed with this gift of mobility. God blesses us, and God is blessing us every day. And sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we're like children who get a toy, you know, that they've been wanting and needing, <laughs> And then they play with it, and afterwards they forget about it. But God wants us to remember. I think that's why he told his disciples, every time you take this bread and you drink this wine, do it regularly so that you'll remember that I've blessed you, so that you'll remember my love for you. Sometimes we, I don't know, maybe we keep prayer journals. Some of you have prayer journals that you write down the good things that God has done in your life. And it increases our faith. It reminds us that we're loved, doesn't it? You have cards like these. And, and the funny thing, I was writing this message and I was thinking of praying about it. And then I opened the door to go out and I saw this package. And this package came and I thought, what is this? And I opened it up and there was a shirt here. And I brought it. I didn't show the first service. You're special. But it's a, it's a Pokemon shirt. And it was sent to me by my friend while I was in Southern Cal who taught me to play Pokemon Go. And she was Team Red, Team Valor. And so she just sent it to me. So I called her up and I said, what is this shirt? And she said, I just saw it and I've had it. I've been wanting to send it to you for a month now, but I kept forgetting. And I said, you know, I was just talking to God about being blessed by him. And I received this gift. And that was just 
the icing on the cake. It reminded me. Because you know how you have those gifts that are for your birthday or for Christmas, but this is a no-occasion gift, right? It's a just-because gift. It's a I-was-thinking-about-you gift. It's I-love-you gift, right? And they're reminders, and I said that was a reminder to me that how loved I am by God, that he would use you to remind me of that today. We experience God's love for us when we know that we're chosen and also when we know that we have been blessed and also when we are broken, when we are broken. Because sometimes when we are blessed by God, it doesn't feel like we're being blessed, right? When we go through trials and we think, okay, God loves me. Why is this happening to me? Why isn't he answering my prayers? Sometimes it is in our journey of brokenness that we experience God's love most of all. We go on in this, in this passage um, in Luke 21. It says, but the hand, Jesus is talking, he says, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. And he was talking about Judas. And Judas was there at the table, one of the twelve, whom Jesus had loved and was on his heart, and he was going to betray Jesus. And you know, the Bible doesn't say explicitly why. When I was reading it over and over, the Bible never tells us why Judas betrayed Jesus. Maybe, maybe he felt let down by Jesus. Maybe Jesus wasn't the kind of Savior that he thought he was going to be. Maybe he thought things would change and he was let down. Maybe he was greedy and he wanted this money that he was promised about five or six months' wages. Maybe he was disillusioned. Maybe he was afraid of his own life and he thought if I gave, he gave Jesus up, then his life would be spared. We don't know. Some scholars think that he really never knew Jesus. He never knew the love of Jesus in his own life. And so Jesus stops, and he calls attention to what's going to happen. And I don't think he did that to shame Judas. I don't think he did that to, to you know, point out the wrong or to judge him. Honestly, I think he did that because he wanted Judas to know that he didn't have to do it, that he didn't have to go through with something that wasn't right. And I wanted, and I can picture him, you know, in the, touching his hand and looking at Judas's, his face, because Judas knew it was him. No one else did, but Judas knew. And I felt like maybe Jesus could look at him. Maybe he, it was an opportunity for Judas to look into the eyes of Jesus and see love from someone who knew what he was going to do, but loved him anyway. Later on, uh, we read about the rest of the disciples. It says, They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this thing. A dispute also rose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. So somehow, this talk about Judas and his betrayer led them to compare each other's character, spirituality, or value. So Jesus says to them, It says, The king of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules, like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So here in the midst of this arguing, who's better, who's more 
uh, faithful or spiritual, Jesus comes in with a word of truth and says, no, not so with you. You follow me to a different way. See, part of Jesus' love for us is he comes in sometimes when we're off track. He comes in when we are saying things and doing things and believing things that are not of God. And sometimes he speaks truth to us, and it's painful, isn't it? We feel convicted. We feel that we are wrong in some way or that we've been caught or that we can't hide the secret sins in our heart. But when we are exposed, we have an opportunity, don't we, to turn back to Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Even after the betrayal happened, we find out, we find out that Judas regretted his decision. He regretted his betrayal of Jesus so that he took his own life. And even that, I think, saddened God's heart because he could have come home. He could have come back. He could have gone back to Jesus and said, Jesus, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. He could have come back to the disciples. And you know what? Jesus would have welcomed him back. Jesus would have welcomed him back because, because Jesus welcomes us back always. That's the broken spirit that he says that God loves. But we have to press into God's love. We have to hang in there long enough to know that we can be forgiven, that we can come home, that there is still our name on that table. There is still a place for us. David G. Benner writes this a book called Surrender to Love, and this is also a great book, and Don Okada is going to lead a, a new group starting in a couple of weeks about what it means to surrender to God's love, and I hope some of you uh, come to that group. But he says this, he says, we must meet God's love in our vulnerability and our brokenness, not simply in our strength and togetherness. Transformation demands that we stay long enough in his loving presence to allow our shame to begin to melt away. To allow our shame and all of it to be melted away, to be washed away, to be forgiven and cleansed by the love of Jesus. Sometimes when that happens in our lives, and maybe that's happened to you, I know that's happened to me, that's when we know even more so how deep God's love is for us, isn't it? It's not when we've lived a perfect life and done everything great. It's when we've made mistakes, when we've rebelled, when we've walked away, and God still comes to us, isn't it? The last thing I want us to notice is that we know we're dearly loved when we are chosen, when we're blessed, when we're broken, and also when we're given, when we're given out to be a blessing to others in Jesus' name. Jesus went on in verse 28 to say this, You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He said, you are not to be lording 
you know, your spirituality or, you know, your pride against other people. You're to be the servant because I have a job for you, right? I'm going to send you out as people who have been loved by me to share that love with other people, to show them the kind of God that I am. Has anybody ever entrusted with you, with you with a mission, believing in you, without, with, you know, whatever weaknesses you've had, do they believe in you? When I was cleaning out my uh, storage over my sabbatical, I found this box, and it was actually from my engineering days, and uh, it was a notebook that I had from one of the, the uh, projects that I had, and, and uh, my supervisor at the time got promoted, so he had um, give, given me the, the project lead, and I was really surprised because I was the uh, less senior person and less experienced person, so I went to him, and I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it. You know, are you sure you're making the right choice? And he goes, he goes yes, yes, don't worry. Uh, it'll be fine. And then, um, right, the last day when he was, uh, last day in his position, he called me to his office, and he handed me this notebook, and he had written in this entire new notebook everything about the project, like the insider, in all handwritten, you know, probably, you know, 50, 60 pages, all the technical things, all the equations, <laughs> you know, all the phone numbers to call, everything. And he said, Nancy, it's all in this book. And I remember that whole year referring to this book over and over again. And so I saved this book because on the last page, on the last page, he wrote a note to me. He said, Nancy, you can do this. I chose you to take over because I believe in you. Call me anytime if you need help. You know how to reach me. I remember that thinking, God, you know, that, that, that this man believed in me. And I think this is what God does for us. He believes in us. In all our brokenness, in all our, our inadequacies, he believes that we will be a blessing to others. The more we, have, we experience God's love for us, he says, I'm going to now send you out as people beloved by me to share that love with others. Isaiah 42 says this, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nation. One of the people, and I'll close with this, one of the people who I got to meet over this, um, at this reunion was this, this one guy that was in one of my first discipleship groups. And, and um, I was in this group that, you know, we had to memorize verses and, you know, and, uh, and share our testimonies. And, and as I said, and when we had this reunion, everyone was afraid to come because they thought I was going to test them on their verse memories. And I, I only made them recite one. <laughs> but... Um, but I said, we started sharing our faith stories. And I go, remember our faith stories? And, you know, when we share them, we all memorize each other's faith stories. And I turned to him and I go, well, well, remember his faith story? And everybody couldn't remember it. I go, you can't remember it. And I go, well, why don't you share your faith story? And he goes, um, I don't remember it. And I said, how can you not remember your own faith story? And he goes, you mean, you mean the one that we were on a blind date? And I go, yeah. And everyone goes, what? You were on a blind date? And I'm thinking, you can't remember? So then we started to share his faith story about how, um, you know, one day I was set on this blind date, and I, I met him, and, 
And he, you know, we went out to dinner, and he thought, you know, I, I didn't know if he, he was a Christian or Christ follower or not, so I started telling him about Jesus, and I invited him to church, and, and he just thought, you know, who is this person? So he, he didn't know, and then he ended up coming to our, our church, our small group, and that night, you know, the whole night we're, we're doing our Bible study, and he doesn't say one word the whole time. And I thought, okay, I'm never going to see this guy again. At the end of the time, the person leading the study said, well, okay, is there anything else anyone has to say? If not, we'll go ahead and close, you know? And we look around, and all of a sudden his hand goes up, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And he goes, yeah, I'd like to say something. And he says, yeah, sure, go ahead. And he goes, I just wanted to thank everybody, you know, for letting me come tonight. He said, this is very interesting, and I learned a lot. And, you know, I didn't know all these things about God, and just thanks for letting me come. And then he went and, and he gave a hug to the leader. And I thought, oh, well, that's really sweet. You know? and then he went and he hugged the next person. And then he got up and hugged the next person. And we think, oh, my gosh, is he going to hit? And, yep, he hugged everybody in a circle. And, and I thought, wow, okay. And, and then later on, some of the people befriended him. We, brought, we invited him to a retreat, kind of like our all-church retreat. And it was at that retreat that... He gave his life to Jesus. And so about two years later, you know, I invited him into our discipleship group, and then we're sharing our testimonies, and I thought, okay, his turn, and I kind of totally know what he's going to say, you know, been there, you know, was part of that, you know. And then he started sharing his faith story, and it went something like this. My life was a mess. I was hating my job, and I started getting addicted to pornography, and so um, my, my girlfriend broke up with me. So I went into a depression. I was just hating my life. and no, saw no purpose for it. So I started thinking about ending my life. And then one day, I went on a blind date. And then you know the rest. This is two years later, and I never knew that about him. I never knew all of that until two years later. And so it was really funny. So, you know, so he was sharing, I wanted this blind date, and I thought this girl was just from Mars, you know. And, and then he said, and so we're talking at dinner, and he said, yeah. And I th remember thinking to myself, you know, my mom had encouraged me to go on this date, and I thought, what was she thinking? You know, because he goes, if I knew you were a Christian, I would not have called you at all. You know, and so I told him, I go, you know, this is something I want, want to ask you, because for, for 20-some years I've been wondering, if you thought that, and I invited you to Bible study. Why did you come? Why would you come? And he said, you know, I don't know. I don't remember. All I know is I think I was just that desperate. And then at the end of the evening, this was the best part for me. He took me aside and he said, you know, Nancy, I don't think I ever thanked you. I don't think I ever thanked you for telling me about Jesus and telling me about God's love for me. And he goes, and I wanted you to know that I share a story about you too. He <laughs> said, you do? He goes, yeah, I share a story about you. Because now I go into, there's a, a local uh, prison, and I go into the men's prison, and I meet men that have just, you know, made a mess of their lives. And, and they say to me, I am so far from God. God cannot love me. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know how my life is. And he says, and I, and I share my story with them. 
And I share what, what God did for me. He said, yeah, I share the mess that I had in life. And, and I said, and then how God sent me on a blind date with this Christian girl. <laughs> and he said, out of the blue, something I would never have done, somehow God sent this girl to tell me about God's love for me. And if God can do that for me, he can do that for you. And he will do that for you because God loves you too. Jesus writes in John 15, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. God loves each one of us. He's created us, chosen us. He knows our names. He knows everything about us. He has prepared a place. This morning, he's prepared a table before us, and he's invited you to come. He has your name. And no matter what you've done or not done, where you've been, where you're struggling, God's love for us is forever. He welcomes us always. He chooses us. He blesses us. He breaks us sometimes. And he sends us out. He gives us to be a blessing to others. This morning, I hope that you will know that, not just in your head, but in your heart. So as we prepare our hearts to partake of communion this morning, I just want to invite you, if you would, to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and maybe some of you are here and you know this love of God. God has rescued you, and you'll never forget it. But some of you feel far from God. Maybe at one time you've known God's love for you, but you haven't felt that recently. Maybe you felt lost or neglected, or that God doesn't love you. And we need to be reminded today. So just want to, as you prepare your hearts, just hear these words. Hear these words from God. Jesus says to us, Jesus says to you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I am the Lord your God and I am with you I am mighty to save I take great delight in you I will calm your fears with my love I will rejoice over you with singing I will show you my unfailing love in wonderful ways you are the apple of my eye I will hide you in the shadow of my wings Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For I will be with you wherever you go. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. My eyes are upon you. 
my ears attentive to your cry. You are my servant whom I strengthen. You are my chosen one, and I am pleased with you. I've put my spirit upon you. How great is the love I'm lavishing on you because you are my child. That is what you are. You are my child whom I love, and with you, I am well pleased. Thank you, God, for your words that remind us that we are beloved. We are your beloved. We're your beloved sons and daughters. And your arms are always open to welcome us back home, back to you, where we belong, where there's a name on our chair and a name on our bed and a name on our room, a place that you have prepared for us and will always be for us. So guys, we come to your table this morning. May we be reminded of that. May we come with grateful hearts full of the assurance that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen.